Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number 1 in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, and welcome to Everything is Fine, a podcast for women over 40. We are your hosts. I'm Kim France. And I am Jen Romolini. You know, Jen. Yes. I went to go visit. I told you this. I went to go visit our friend, Jen, in the hospital yesterday. Jen took a very bad fall and um, broke some bones and had to have surgery and has been in the hospital for five or six days. Um, But she was in good spirits and we had a really nice talk and we got to talking about the old days. Okay. And something that (laughs) I'm not going to embarrass you. (laughs) I know. I'm like turning red as you're talking. (laughs) Because the old days and Jen, I know, I know the old days with Jen. Go ahead. ahead. Um, And she brought up something that I have never mentioned on this podcast before. Okay. Um, But that I always, whenever I'm in a situation where people are like, okay, now we're going to go around in a circle and say one thing about ourselves that nobody knows or wouldn't expect. Yeah. It's my detail. And that is that Jen introduced me to her then fixed me up with her then close friend, Anthony Weiner. Oh my God. (laughs) There was a, there was once again, I've talked about this before. It was the dinner party phenomenon. It was the, we will throw a dinner party for these two people to meet. And it was a dinner party so that I would meet Anthony Weiner. This was pre Huma Abedin when he was just like, he was just like an ambitious, you know, congressman from new york jewish right uh, and so jen was letting like, this wash over me <laughs> have i ever told you this story? no you've never told me this i love it when you tell me something for the first time when we're recording it's the best <laughs> oh my god okay wait i'm trying to picture the two of you together this is amazing okay so wait what happened um jen threw a dinner party Mm-hmm. And, and, and it was like, you know, decoy people and me and him. And we sat next to each other and we talked a bit and I was, I'm going to say, I'm, I mean, you know, I was interested. I was interested in Anthony Weiner. I thought, 
here's somebody who's got his own shit going on. He's not going to be threatened by me. I mean, and little did you know how much shit he did have going <laughs> he on. Had a lot going also, on. Wiener is just, I was interested in Anthony Wiener. It's just like, I so just want to be like Anthony's Wiener. Go ahead, continue. I know, ahead. I know, I know. It's so that poor guy, continue. How could he have turned out well? Go um, ahead. But um, yeah, no, it didn't happen. Nothing ever happened. We didn't go out again. So you met at the dinner party. You kind of were like, did you flirt? Did you, did you, were you like, oh, maybe like what happened? I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm not a good flirt when under, like under fire like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. like I was, I, and, and there was someone else at the dinner party who I won't name on the air who doesn't get, who, who, wasn't supposed to come and who could be very flirtatious with men. Oh. And Jen alleges that it was this other person's um mm, stole your thunder behavior that night that she stole my thunder. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, thank God. What a what a yeah, blessing. I know. Can you imagine? Blessing in disguise. I mean, you know. Although- Can you imagine? But like at the time, at the time, the year was probably 2000 and five or six, seven, maybe. I don't know. He was just like a young, ambitious guy who like people said would be mayor one day. Wow. And imagine if that had worked out. We Hillary Clinton would have been president. <laughs> like it just <laughs> <laughs> everything everything would be different. Everything would be different. <laughs> it's like sliding doors. <laughs> Oh my God. So I had so much, I had so much fun with my friend who's laid up in the hospital talking about Anthony Weiner and um, the hardest I ever laughed in my entire life, which was when she, Jen, the other Jen, um, threw a, threw a birthday party for her boyfriend and she had a friend go pick up the cake. Yes. Yes. I was there for this party. Yes. (laughs) The cake was, I know you were, the cake was sitting on the kitchen table. And when it came time to present it, she opened the box and it was an ice cream cake that had melted. And it was everywhere. <laughs> it was everywhere. And I don't think I've ever, I don't know why. I don't know what overcame me, like what little neurons zapped in what order to make me think that was the funniest thing in the world. But I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. No, it was the funniest thing in the world. And now that I think about it, there were so many people at that party that would go on to do so many different kinds of things. It was really just a snapshot of a certain moment. And like, I don't know if those people were ever in the same room again who were at that party, or at least, mm-hmm. you know, after the, that, like certain, like three months of time, like the guy I was dating at the time that, you know, it was just all of it. It was just a very, it was a snapshot of a certain, of a certain moment. And, um, anyway, and a very funny moment that cake was, that was one of the funniest things that's ever happened. Um, I don't have much this week, except I do want to talk to you about a specific thing that I'm going to ruin my hair to discuss my hair do to discuss with you. Okay. 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 Listener, can you hear that? <laughs> yes, this, I can. And, and this is a, this is a hair clip. What do you call this kind of hair clip? Kim? You call that, isn't that called like a butterfly clip? Okay. Maybe it's a, but it's a very large butterfly clip. I've never worn a butterfly clip in my life. I believe I am now butterfly clip age. Um, I, <laughs> I can't tell if this kind of hair clip is a middle-aged lady hair clip. More and more, I can't tell 
if like, is this, is, if, is this just, I've just surrendered? Have I just surrendered to a thing? Cause I can't wear hair bands anymore. Cause my hair is too fine. T- breaks too easily. Now I just, there's no elastic for me anymore. A Ela- hair elastic was, it was a young person's game for me. <laughs> I'm not kidding. This is a really fucking thing. Well, this whole, no, no, no. Well, it reminds me of your tweet the other day about your kid. Yeah. How you asked your kid if you, something like, do I look like a middle-aged lady in this? And they said, you don't ever not look like a middle-aged lady. <laughs> exactly. It's impossible. There's, there's nothing you could do to make you not look like a middle-aged lady. And it was actually specifically <laughs> about this hair clip. And it's not even that I understand. I want to be like a middle-aged lady. It's fine. Like there is nothing I can do. I don't want to be an uncool middle-aged lady. That was my specific thing. I right? feel I feel the same way. I just don't I just don't want to be I don't have to be cool. Yeah, I don't want to be uncool. I just feel like I just I I don't know. When I look at the kids and I, or even people who are 10 years younger than me, I just think, well, I, you you get a little uncool. Okay, but although no. I don't know, my mom is super cool and she's old. As can it's be. cool. It's cool for my bracket. I'm not looking to compete. I'm for my weight class. I'm not looking to compete with like you know the you know the the youngs. I yeah. just don't want to get into like just some fuddy duddy ruts. And I was like, is this hair clip a like a surrender signal to space? Like, am I? Like- <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about my clogs. You know, your clogs are cool. Oh, giving them up. Well, I mean, I am giving up almost all of my clogs because I can no longer wear wooden soled shoes. And then I'm like, then I'm like, but then I'm like, who gives a shit? Why do I care still about being cool? Because like, isn't the whole thing about getting older is to be liberated from that shit. But I still am like, is this hair clip? Like, is this how I want to represent myself in the world? And so now I'm like, do I need to start looking up like those combs, you know, like the, 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 like vintage combs or like the leather with the stick. Like, what am I going to do? The leather with the stick. Well, the leather with the stick is a good, is a good look. And my hair is thin enough. It can just fit in it. Now I could just have a doll ponytail. Yeah. I know the feeling. I know the feeling. I think that those, those butterfly clips, we'll call them are probably used by so many people that they're a little generic, like denim. So they become as cool or as uncool as you are. Okay. Okay. I mean, I will say that in the, in the great British bake off, which I don't know if you watch, which, I have, is, yes. which has been a very, a very intense season. Um, Rebs, who just got sent home, thank God, finally, um, <laughs> was wearing one of these. And she also was wearing brown lip liner. And I was like, okay, this is sending me mixed messages. I don't know if like mm-hmm. brown, the brown lip liner with nothing in the middle. Yeah. You know, remember that look? I think that might be back. I think it is because I am... Not entirely proud of myself for knowing that that's a look that Haley Bieber advocates. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, look, I guess that's, that's giving me some kind of clues about what's still cool. I don't know. Do you know slang? Do you know current slang? <laughs> I know that the kids use the word drip. Oh, okay. Like, I like your drip, I think is how it's, <laughs> I don't think I'm making this up. No, I don't think you are either, but what is it? Is it drip like your outfit, your look? What is drip? Let's look up Urban Dictionary. Okay. Because I I think I'm getting, I mean, I know sus. Sus, yeah. Sus is, Very sus good. is just now like in the normal lexicon. Cringe. Cringe. I know that's a big one. Drip is means very swag and cool. So here's here's a, um, 
Here's it in a sentence. Yo, that ice is drippy, dog. No, you cannot. You cannot have just read that and you can't say dog because there's no no one is saying dog. <laughs> that Urban Dictionary. I was just reading what it said. I didn't make it up. That, that Urban Dictionary is this, this Urban Dictionary entry is probably like from 20 years ago. This okay, is the if you're, funniest. If you're looking for like signs of whether you're cool or uncool, I don't think you'll find them in a banana clip or a, or a butterfly clip. It's whether you still go, oh, I'll look it up in Urban Dictionary. <laughs> That's what I'll do. I'll put on. <laughs> I'll look like I'm. The other day, I was like, I was about to say the words, it slaps. I was about to say it slaps. And I was like, you know what? I don't really know what it slaps means and I should not be fucking with slang. I'm not sure of, I think it's, it slaps means it's cool. Like it's no, it slaps just means that I know it just means something's really great. It's really great. It slaps. And it's like that moment where you're like, should I, should I I I do it? Should I say the word that maybe means something different than I thought it did? Well, it sucks because what happens with slang is when your slang is so dated that it's no longer, you just can't even use it anymore. You're just like, no fucking way. But you can't, you're in a, you're, you can't really pull off the newest slang, like until it's really sort of baked into the culture. You're kind of in an in-between zone with language, I feel like. I, I agree. I agree. I, I think it, 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 there are so many, I can think of at least a few characters from TV shows and movies that are hilarious because they're trying to talk with the kids slang. Yes. Yes. And that is, that is, that is a certain kind of variant. Yes. We're all like the Steve Buscemi meme of like, Hey kids, you know, (laughs) do you know that he lives in park slope and that he dressed up as that guy for Halloween? Oh, that's amazing. Last year he dressed up as hello, fellow kids. Oh, greetings, fellow kids or whatever it is. He says and sat on his stoop in park slope. And so Paul's like, we are finding him this Thanksgiving. Oh, I mean this Halloween. Yes, not Thanksgiving. Halloween, but you could, yes. you could also find him. <laughs> yeah. I um no, I do know that because he was like what you know how you sometimes have those celebrities that you just see all the time, so it just becomes normal. I yeah. we, I saw Buscemi so much, and it's a matter of fact, and I shouldn't out him by saying this, but it is the funniest story. Alex had one of those like your worst nightmare stories in front of Steve Buscemi where he he puked on the subway in front of Steve Buscemi, which was like <laughs> It's like a horrible story, but like made worse, you know? Um, No, but the thing with the slang, I feel the same way about emojis. Like there's some times where I'm like, I don't know if I should be using this emoji because I'm not quite sure. It could mean something I don't think it means. No, I know what you mean. Well, I just, I, I, I deal with that by never using any emojis, which is also makes me look old and uncool. Wait, you don't have like a favorite, what are your favorite, you have to use, emo- you never use emojis? I, well, I never used emoticons. Emoticons okay. really annoyed me. Yes. Um, emojis, you know, I'll like use a heart. Okay. Okay. I'll like, you know, I'll, I'll use the, I don't know, or the face palm maybe. I okay, don't know. Okay. Okay. But I'm not, I'm not really big on emojis. No. I have, I use the melting face one very often <laughs> and I, I find that's very useful. I only use it when I feel like it's better than language. So the melting face one, and I use the casket a lot. <laughs> like the casket. The casket. <laughs> I use the casket all the time. Like I use the casket all the time. Like I'm dead. Like you just killed me. I'm dead either by joke 
or by this thing is so outrageous that happened. That's the casket is. Well, that's very clever. Those are very clever emojis to use. I don't don't, Yeah, I don't know much to bring. I just when I was dating, I used to get really bummed out when guys would put emojis in the messages. What kinds did they use? (laughs) Oh, nothing dirty. Well, they didn't ever give you the series of, I guess they weren't young enough to give you the series. Maybe who you were dating wasn't young enough to give you like the eggplant and the water drip. And I mean, this yeah. is my worst nightmare is giving that an accidental, like a peach, you know? Yeah, no, I know. Cause I don't know all the things the emojis mean to the That's kids. It. I, yes. I mean, I know what the eggplant means. That's like, yes. duh. Yes. You know, the water, the electrical, like, you know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, the electrical? The one that looks like a, you know, a, a, a um, starburst or something. Oh, wait a second. The starburst? I know about the drips. What's the starburst? It's like hot. hot. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it doesn't mean that. Maybe it means, maybe it means like I fucked your mother and I'm just, oh I, I, I'm using it. Oh my God. We have to decode these. Okay. This upcoming like Patreon episode is going to be just us. I'm going to just show you an emoji <laughs> on air and you're going to tell me what it means. Cause <laughs> I like that idea. Oh, this is incredible. This is incredible. Okay. Well, look, we have an incredible guest today. Speaking of incredible. <laughs> it is. She's great. She's great. Laura Mayer. Laura Mayer and um, Laura Mayer, who I I really was dying to have on the podcast because I saw, and I, I was like, Kim, we have to do this because I really saw, like I had just had a kinship from afar with her. I just saw her. I saw what she was doing. Laura Mayer is a um, former like big time podcast executive who got extremely burnt out in her job, was really mistreated in her job, which all of which she'll go through in this episode. And then had a baby and just sort of had a lot of complications in her pregnancy that was really, really sick, was, you know, had to go to the ER, just mess, 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 and sort of came out of it all just so disillusioned and created this project, which we'll talk about a lot, which is basically a little bit of a fuck you to the podcasting industry, but it's more of a fuck you to jobs that mistreat us and industries that chew us up and spit us out. And I just, I needed, I needed to know more about her was the whole thing. So she was great. Yeah. It's a little bit of a departure for us because it's really about, um, the inside baseball of industry. Um, but I hope that you will all come along for the ride because, um, I think she's really cool and I admire what she's doing quite a bit. Awesome. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Our guest today is Lara Mayer. Lara is an audio producer and former podcast executive who, by her own account, has created and launched more successful shows than anyone in big podcasting. She was formerly a producer at WNYC, employee number one at Slate's Panoply Network, executive producer in charge of new show development at Midroll, and then co-founded the production company Three Uncanny Four with Sony Music Entertainment. Lara's helped make many, many, many beloved podcasts, including The Dream and The Just Enough Family, which is, fun fact, one of Kim's favorites. And she's currently the creator and host of her own independent new show called Shameless Acquisition Target, which is one of my favorites and which we're going to talk about a lot today. Welcome, Lara. Hi. Oh, 
Thank you for having me. I've never heard someone introduce me before, um, <laughs> except for that. Except for when I got married, and they like some like guy at the borough hall said my name. Um, that's the closest <laughs> it's been. We've really debated whether or not we should introduce people on, like whether we should make people endure, endure the introduction or just like come in. And we're like, well, we're so awkward. What will we do if we don't have an introduction? So we, that's why we keep it in. <laughs> I think it's nice because it sets the tone for the conversation because you can tell Mm -hmm. when it's like, you know, done after the fact, like when in other shows, when it's done after the fact or or someone has like backed into what the proper uh, intro should be, um, particularly after like an awkward interview, which I hope this will not be. Um, (laughs) But uh, that's like one of my favorite producer games to play. I always, I always like being introduced when I'm on a podcast and hearing it, because if you take all the things, if you take the long breadth of my career and like isolate all the good things, I sound kind of fancy. <laughs> yes. Well, you, first off, you are fancy, but yes. also, yeah, it like warms you up. It like, it makes, I can't believe we're getting this nitty gritty into the podcast details already, but yes, it warms you up. It's like, oh, they think fondly of me. Yes, exactly. It's uh, as opposed to, you could have just said like known um, podcast industry troll, uh, Laura Mayer, (laughs) which is um, perhaps how others would describe me at this point in my life. Um, okay so let's get into the trolling because the reason that I that I was so I had not known about you even though we have some people in common I had not known about you until I know fuck (laughs) me um until I discovered this show until our mutual friend Quinn introduced me to your show Shameless Acquisition Project which I I've related to so much it like set off lights in my brain I was just like fuck yes, thank you, somebody's finally doing this. Oh my God. And so can you tell listeners um, what it is and how it came to be? (laughs) Sure. Um, Well, so shameless acquisition target. I am the target of acquisition. Oh, target, Um, not project. But it is a project. I should have named it project and then all the brand, uh, you know, forks could have been very clear to everyone who I'm trying to get money from. Right. See, that's my branding. That's that's my salesmanship right there. That's money. That's (laughs) money. But it's a, right now it's a, uh, six part series. I'm on episode five. Um, and it's about both the podcast industry niche, boring, perhaps, but I think more specifically, I hope about my experience kind of getting caught up in this wave of money coming into, um, a kind of nascent, I hope I'm saying that correctly, medium all at once, um, in like 2015, 2016, and sort of seeing how money turbocharged, um, what was seen, I think, as a kind of art into a sort of commerce. And that corresponded with, I think, my personal, like, developing of of my career, the, like, various um, poisonings of myself I did with your girl bosses and your leans-ins and your et cetera's. But what you're hearing is uh, someone who I think kind of got chewed up and spat out potentially on the other end of the podcast boom. Um, not to say that the bubble has fully burst, but my bubble has, uh, personal bubble has burst. I'm still very positive on podcasts themselves. And so, um, you know, it, it's a show that it's meant to be funny. It's meant if there's anyone that's the butt of the joke, it's supposed to be me. 
Um, but it is kind of this meta commentary on the industry and then also a kind of challenge for myself and uh, like to the industry and saying like, I am trying to make money. I have been so close to money. I'm trying to make it. And therefore I'm selling this project for parts at the end of the six episode run. I love the fact that um, on your website, you have buy me <laughs> and, yeah. a little, and a little form to fill out that includes the, uh, the, 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 the box. How much? <laughs> yeah. That's yielded some very interest. The buy me thing has in- yielded some very interesting responses because like someone put like $5,000 in there once and it was someone who wanted to advertise on the show, but I didn't think they were serious. And so I accidentally like negotiated against myself um but then like other people most people are just like question mark or like how i I got a once a a how dare you from a friend but i still thought that like that's like yes that's the response like how dare you is the response that i've gotten so often when i've ever asked for money for my work but but that okay but that's what's interesting right i mean well there's many things that are interesting but one of the things that i'm because the show what you didn't say is that the show is about disillusionment Mm-hmm. And the show is about being one of those very ambitious people. It's about like, especially a woman, but it's also about like trying to make money, trying to find a career you love, trying to make money in a career you love, finding out the dreams kind of not worthy of the dreamer. It's like about all of these things that we all at some point, most of us at some point in mm-hmm. our careers, butt up against mm-hmm. the, is that all there is moment? Yes. Yes. So, so I mean, that's there's so much involved in this, and I I wonder, like, what what are you hoping to get out of it? I'm imagining it's kind of cathartic in a way, just talking about all this openly. Like, you talk about being a tryhard, you know, etc. A tryhard loser, um, (laughs) which I I made merch uh, that if you would like listener to also say that you are a tryhard loser, visit my website at shameless.biz. I mean, I think that it's it's funny because it's definitely been cathartic, but it's also been kind of a commitment device for me, I've realized, which is mm-hmm. that um, without getting too into it, like uh, in January, February, I made the decision to leave this kind of like the biggest job I'd ever been in um, after like almost like I really almost died uh, after I had my kid. Mm-hmm. All's good now. Um, my kid's a tank. God bless her, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But um, then it became this thing being like, okay, I have health insurance for a while now. Um, What do I do next? And I was used to being like, I am like, you know, one time when I was, uh, I was a very loyal Girl Scout troop member and there is a, um, and they were like all of my friends growing up. And there was this mythic story among like the 12 of us that one, I sleep talk that one time during a sleepover, I sat up and I said, because I was going to sleep earlier than everyone else. I am the executive and then I went back to sleep. <laughs> um, and and that, that happened when we were like 12 and like I'm still being reminded of this. So like I think the thing is, is when I kind of had this real uh, shaking up both on the career front, front, the identity front with having a kid and like the health front with uh, preeclampsia, as I call it, preeclampsia.com, like <laughs> iroglasses, lagunitas.com, um, and et cetera. Uh, I was like, okay, I got to do something different. Um, and then I proceeded to try and do the same thing again um, by like trying to become like, I, who am I? I don't know. Like, I really don't know now. 
that I've had this kid and all this stuff happen. So maybe I should, I just need to like figure out the closest thing to what I left to do again. Um, and then my husband wisely was like, why are you looking to be miserable again? Um, and I was like, good question. Um, and, uh, then I, I, I had time to think about that. Right. Which is like truly a luxury, also a horror show. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's, uh, and, uh, then I was like, you know, what would be funny is to make a show like everyone around me has gotten rich in some sort of capacity. What if I made a show about that? And I also just tried to like do some silly shit to figure out a way that how I could like reinvent myself in a public way. And it was like a conversation that we had had in our living room after the baby had gone to sleep. And he was like, yeah, you should call it shameless acquisition target. And I just was like, all right, I guess I'll make that show. But, but did that strike you at the time as brave? Because it seems pretty brave to say, okay, I don't want to be part of the world I was part of before, but I think I will turn my laser focus on that world. You know, it's interesting because I think I didn't, I think the only reason I made the show and or I was able to make the show was I just didn't think about it that <laughs> much. Right. Because if I did, I would have stopped myself. And so now when, when people, and I'm not saying in this particular way, but other people have said to me, like, especially men have said to me like, Oh, it's so brave that you're doing this. And when that, a lot of the times the so brave thing, I know it's tied to people being like, you're never getting another job. <laughs> like, <laughs> like so brave. You will be permanently uh, some version of less employed than you used to be. Um, but I really do think that like, frankly, like, you know, without getting into it too much, like I had a lot of anger at the way that I allowed myself and what to be treated and was treated in the industry. And I, I go into that, into the series, which in the series, which is like, you know, my sp stories that are specific to podcasting, but I think that I hope that um, they're universal to anyone who has tried to have a career uh, in any kind of media, um, who has been that kind of like Tracy Flick-esque, um, potentially like just throwing yeah. themselves into situations. But um, I sort of just realized there was something that like happened after, I was so mad when I got so sick when I had my kid, which I realized is like such a, is it's like a not rational emotional response, but I was like, it shouldn't have been like this. Yeah. There was no reason for it to be like this, yeah. which is like not, that's like not how life works, but that was like right. the thing that I was clinging to during this whole crisis. And then at the same time, you know, with work stuff, it, you know, I, I was so angry at, at various things that had happened around that same time and had happened throughout my career. Like a lot of that anger was allowed to bubble up, I think during that period of time where I was like literally like benched. Yeah. Um, and so that ended up being something that was sort of, I think got me to over myself in some kind of way where it was maybe like, I wasn't thinking of the bravery or like what I was potentially putting at risk. I was thinking more of like, this is something I want to make. I got one shot generally in, in this old uh, YOLO situation. I think it could be fun. I think it could be funny. I think it could uh, at least uh, illuminate some group chats, which let's be honest, that's what we're all doing in media these days. It's very niche. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, I think that that's what ultimately got me to, to do it. 
Do you think there's something toxic about the podcast universe now that wasn't toxic when you started? That's such a good question. I mean, it's changed a lot. I think that a lot of money going into something all at once causes bad actors, uh, or, or at least not to say bad actors, but unpure actors to sort of like show up at the show up at the at the money festival. Um, and so I think in like 2015, 2016, and I'm not saying that this was like good either. A lot of the, you know, quote unquote, big podcasting was people who had come from public radio or who had come from broadcast radio. Um, and then since then, so they had like some sort of appreciation for the medium, some kind of understanding of, you know, the business. No, it's like, they- it's like journalism. Most journalism was media people. And then when it went digital, it just became money people. And yeah. then nobody had any standards yeah. and nobody cared. And it was all about how much money can we squeeze out of this? Fuck the talent. Let's yeah. treat them like, you know, trash. Uh, continue. It's the, same, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the same thing. But I think that it's like, on some level, I do think that there was never, even in like the the wildest, like, you know, when Gimlet sold for all of that money and, you know, there was like Spotify just spent all of the money in the world and everyone was like dollar signs, dollar signs, dollar signs. And I benefited from that from a salary perspective. Like, I do think that like podcasting for a long time and maybe still is, was like considered such a backwater compared to other media that it was like, Maybe like the the unpure actors, like you didn't get like the MBAs, but you got the crooked lawyers um, yeah, who right. like wanted to be involved in film and TV, but like couldn't quite get it. And so they were going to go and like be big shots, big fish in a small pond. But there's something really, I mean, I, I did a story years ago, maybe t- 20 years ago about women who worked in the hip hop industry mm. and women were able to get very far in the hip hop industry because it wasn't where anybody else really wanted to be or thought there was a future. I think there's something there potentially, at least with my career in podcasting. Um, because I mean, and, and, and also like, and I get into this a little bit in the series, like I, oh, right, I, cause it's male dominated. I didn't even think about that. I just put that together. Sorry. Yeah. Let me be very <laughs> explicit for listeners. It's a male dominated podcasting yeah. is a very male dominated field. Correct. Yeah. Yes. I think so. Yeah. And let me be clear. I forgot about that. Yes. <laughs> uh, I just periodically am just sort of like, oh, la, la, like, like, yeah, like, of course it totally is. And, and on before it became like, you know, with all the money was injected into it, it's been, you know, uh, prior to that also was very male dominated. Um, and I think that for me, that, that meant that I was always in rooms, often in rooms, especially in those kind of first no, I mean, if the whole time I, where I was like one of two women um, and whoever we were meeting with, if it was an outside, um, you know, talent or something would assume I was someone's assistant mm-hmm. um, or, and I'd have to be like, and I just sort of like smile and like, be like, okay, who wants water? Like, uh, even if I was like the one negotiating the deal, right. um, that, that was hard. And I don't see that changing anytime soon, uh, unless no. the and money totally- too. Right. And what so white and the whitest. I, I just want to say that because we're like, oh, it's just men. It's also like the whitest. It's, yes. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. And not for nothing. Yeah. The reason why I was able to do what I was able to do is because of that, like, I think really toxic white girl boss culture where mm-hmm. these with that, that I was like, oh, great. Like unconsciously, like, 
but like I was like, okay, well, I'm I'm able to fit into a certain category that these older white men can understand. But it was still like, but it's like, oh, she's just like, you know, precious from public radio, but she's organized, otherwise known as has a very active anxiety disorder. There's like a fine <laughs> line. Um, and she's always showing up and she like knows stuff, but like she's she's we we know what she's after. She's after some middle management, middle manager success stories. Um, right. And uh, I fit into this very specific box. Yeah, I feel like I, I've gone astray from the question. But No, uh, no, it's don't, don't worry. That's the fun. That's the fun of the whole thing. Um, I am seeing you and I've, I've seen you on Twitter say this. You're a little bit biting the hand that feeds you with this podcast. Yeah. Are you worried about but like you've had already like not been able to get some jobs because of things you've talked about. Yeah. Are you, are you worried? I mean, did, was your plan to burn it all down? I guess. I think it, my plan was to burn some very key characteristics of who I was professionally down, whether I, whether my thoughts were being, I think I, I, I went on that. Uh, my actions came first and my thoughts have since caught up with them. Right. Um, and as so often happens, um, you know, I think that I knew I couldn't go back to what I had been doing because it was really making me miserable because I, I kept having to do things or be privy to stuff that was just like, um, at best bad for creative at worst, bad for creative and like people. Um, mm -hmm. and I just couldn't stomach it, I guess. Like um, what? Like what? What kinds of things? Like management things, creative decisions. Ma like what? Creative decisions, meaning creative decisions, like uh, where people are like, okay, let's get all of whoever's popular. I mean, this is like stuff with all media, but like, let's take someone who doesn't has never listened to a podcast, has never listened to the radio, never wants to, will never want to, and let's give them five million dollars. <laughs> They've been on TikTok. Um, and then let's uh, tell people that this is the new way that we're operating in this kind of whiplashy way that then cancels a bunch of other projects that had a legitimate um, hope of, of doing well within the larger podcast land. Like the kind of creative whiplash of people, as you mentioned, Kim, earlier, sort of like maybe coming from different media or, or maybe we touch on this, but coming from different media and sort of uh determining like this is how we're going to run things all of a sudden and then cancel all the projects. And then also, frankly, like seeing from a managerial perspective, like really seeing people, seeing versions of my, what I saw myself just like a few years ago, like watching people get chewed up and spit out um, and, and not being able to stop it and feeling like I needed to be the one to stop that from happening. Um, without getting into like any details that will get me into too much legal trouble, which is my my husband's um, goal in life is to have me. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, NDAs are real. Yes. <laughs> NDAs, NDAs. Um, but uh, those that would have been a great acronym. Like I wish those were my child's initials. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it just I think that that was the real breaking point. Was there was I had one experience. Uh, obviously prior to Shameless, where the the podcast, where like, I just saw something so clearly wrong happen in terms of like, it was just cut and dry, like managerial, this thing shouldn't have happened. I raised it to the, 
proper authorities. And I'm not saying it was my last job before I quit or the one before that. Like, I'm just saying in my career, like this is like the, the root that maybe grew over the course of years. And I was supposed to be the one in charge of, of production or whatever. And I raised this issue ahead of me and I was basically told, don't worry about it. And uh, I watched as that, uh, those, those kinds of issues continuously and I got that over and over again, like continuously would rot at the center of, of these younger people who were really, really, really excited um, and wanted to be mentored and wanted to be protected and couldn't be um, because of uh, just the way things were set up. Because the, that's the thing with scale, right? Like it almost doesn't matter if the people are, uh, it doesn't, the people don't matter. It's just the product. Um, but I would contend that if you're making any kind of creative vehicle on any level, the people need to be able to show up to do work and feel like they're going to be heard, especially in podcasting. There's something that gets, I mean, I feel like there is with movies, there is with music, there must be with podcasting too, like something about the create, the, and maybe I've already asked this and maybe I'm not making any sense, but the, 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 the intersection between creativity and money. Mm-hmm. And how compromised creativity can get as soon as money is part of it. So if you look at if you look at a good example of this is like, you know, with This American Life or serial productions like that is so with, you know, the the podcast boom was started by the first season of Serial. Right. Then was used as this comp everywhere without people understanding like the production realities of like number of people, the years of experience, the specific type of editing and it's and uh, collaboration that's required to make a series for this American life or for serial productions. Like that was used as the comp um, for which race. seems crazy, right? It's, it's total, but like, it seems crazy. It certainly made me feel crazy. Um, right. and, and I've never worked for this American life. Ira, if you're listening, call me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but it was just a convenient, it became this shorthand in this way where it's like, no, like there's, a, there, there's like you don't want to see that PL businessman. Like that is not the PL you are looking for. It may help you get some money in the door, but it's you're not going to be able to recreate this with half the resources, none of the training, yes. none of the audience, and also them. just not having come first. Exactly, not being a first mover. That that failure of imagination. I mean, because. I, what your experience is similar to, you know, sort of the death of print, but it's mm-hmm. more similar to the death of digital media. Um, and, and I feel it, I feel it profoundly. And one of the things that we had started to do in like our exploitive um, essay lab, personal essay lab every week, because I worked for people in Hollywood who were looking to reverse engineer IP, right? Well, if you know, this studio wants a story about this. Can we get an essay about it to go viral? Because then we can bear out this premise. And then, right, it's so fucking cynical. It's so dark. Meanwhile, you have the young creator who's signing a contract away. They're never going to own any part of this. You know this is the setup. You hate it. You don't want to have anything to do with it. But you're also there because you're you think of yourself as one of the, I don't know if this is your experience, but I'm just going to keep going. You think of yourself as one of the good guys, right? Yep. You're protecting a team. It's a hideous situation, but also you're just like a sleigh dog and it's just yes. like mush, mush, mush. And you're just running with, it doesn't matter what your managerial level level is. You're just running with the other dogs. Like yes. that's just it. And 
I found this so profoundly psychologically damaging Mm -hmm. and my burnout was so traumatizing. I mean, I, I don't even know if I'm over it now, my Mm -hmm. like four or five years more in startup media. It was, Mm. it was fucking hideous because I, I had to do so many things every day that I knew were wrong. I didn't have, didn't didn't get to maintain my creative integrity that I, I knew I had and my taste too. And it was all about money. Yep. Yep. I had a very similar experience. I mean, since, since 2016, really over and over and over again. And particularly there's in the second episode of the series, I, I like, it's about like the road to, from podcast to TV. Um, And I think it, it gets at what was one of the more like authentic and first sort of podcast IP podcast to TV deals that like gave everyone the bright idea um, that this could happen, which was about um, how startup, which was Gimlet Media's one of their first podcasts with Reply All, was uh, be- actually became a network series called Alex Inc. Um, you know, featuring Alex Bloomberg as Zach Braff and I. Th- think Matt Lieber is Michael Imperioli, which is like brilliant casting. Um, Can I just say, I'm in a li- I'm sorry, I'm interrupting. I'm no. in a little bit of a shame spiral because I went to college with Alex Bloomberg. <laughs> Why are you sh- ashamed? Because Alex Bloomberg sold Gimlet for many, many tens uh, of hundreds yeah. of... It's, it's 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 if you were in that position, wouldn't you? Like that's what of course we're in yeah, a capitalist society. Of course you no, did. No, of course I no, not a shame spiral like shame, shame, shame on Alex. Um shame on no, self. Shame, shame on self. Exactly. <laughs> Thank it, you, Laura. Uh, I get shame on self. Shame on self is um that will be my second podcast. Um, uh that's so funny. Yeah, if I made that much money, I I, I just would have uh I would have had a lot of just un, unrelated, like all the Catholic guilt would have just come back and I would just start my cat farm and no one would have heard from me again. <laughs> um. Let's take a quick break. for. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Support for Everything is Fine comes from Ritual. So I love Ritual. Everyone knows I love Ritual. I talk about Ritual all the time. 
I particularly love its daily, their daily multivitamin, and I also really have been enjoying their melatonin. But the thing I love most about Ritual is their Hyacera. It's a once daily skin supplement that's clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. In a clinical study, Hyacera led to 3.6 times reduction in crow's feet wrinkles within 90 days as compared to a placebo. Hyacera led to 2.9 times increase in skin smoothness within 90 days as compared to a placebo. You can enhance your skincare routine from the inside out with one daily capsule essenced with soothing vanilla. I love Hyacera. It's been rigorously tested and validated. It's one of the industry-leading sustainability. It, it meets, sorry, all of the industry-leading sustainability standards. You know I'm a beauty editor now. I am all about keeping my face plump, and Hyacera absolutely has done that for me. I've been on it for months. I don't even know how long, and I can really see a difference in the texture of my skin. My skin looks more juicy, I guess, is the best way to do it. Say it, do it. Ah. Okay, so you can start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash fine. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription to get today. That's ritual.com slash fine for 25% off. Some ads. And we're back. Can we talk about Shark Tank for a minute? Yes. I became aware from one of the more recent episodes that you had just become aware of Shark Tank. Shark Tank is a pretty recent development in my life. I, unlike Jennifer Romolini, I knew it was not a show about sharks. <laughs> right, right. There was a Shark Week confusion. I thought that was very funny. It was oh, and real. The, and the thing about Scrub Daddy too, like Scrub Mommy frowning, and I was like, yes, yeah. That's anyway. someone internalized like resentment in yeah. my own like household inequality. But go back to Shark Tank. But I'm curious like what you what you feel like you discerned from from studying Shark Tank. And is you know what you learn about persistence mm -hmm. from from a show like that. Well so I mean the the experience that I've had just in watching that show for so many years is it's incredibly repetitive. It's so formulaic by design. That's why the franchise is successful. That's why it exists in so many countries. And, and for that reason, I'm out. And for that reason, <laughs> I'm out. Um, I'm kind of a Laura, uh, Laurie Grenier, like I'll let everyone else pass and then like I'll jump in um, and be like, you can be in Bed Bath & Beyond. Um, but I digress. I, I love Laurie Grenier. She's Me my too. favorite, I think. A Chicago superpower. Um, truly a force to be reckoned with. Also very short, which I, speaks to me as someone who's uh, five two. But so what I, like the, the Shark Tank episode, which is episode five, which is like basically like my ode to people who try and persist and maybe don't win, like started, I initially pitched a version of this idea when I was a producer at the program on the media, which is produced by WNYC, but um, distributed nationally. And it's hosted by Brooke Gladstone, like the truly the biggest badass I've ever worked with. Um, and uh, I, it was like the thing that I pitched on my way out. And I was like, listen, like when I'd gotten the podcast job and was like so excited to make a living wage and get um, dental insurance. But I pitched that uh, a feature on Shark Tank to specifically talk about how 
there there was this like propaganda in their opening this like american like capitalism propaganda in their opening uh credits tracking the recovery from the great recession and uh which like by the way what a smart little little one I was back then. Um, and I like did half of it and I was like, nah, like I'm not going to finish this. And then I just like never dealt with it again, but I had it in the back of my mind. Cause I still watch shark tank. What I, so it's the formula, like the intense drive that everybody has, I find exhilarating, but not in a way that like burns out, like whatever glands were t- like adrenal glands or whatever. Like, um, there's no adrenal fatigue with this, this like persistent exhilaration. I'm just sort of like, yeah, like it's like going, it's like going to the zoo and watching an animal run real fast and over and over and over again. Well, they're all, they can see it. Everybody who goes on Shark Tank can see it. They can see their product in stores. They can see people order. It's like, I used to think like when publicists pitched me, they could see the article in the magazine already. The good ones. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think that like, and I, I'm saying that from like perhaps podcast publicists are less good. Um, no, because I think sometimes you'll get pitched and it's like I've gotten pitched for shameless acquisition target. And I'm like, I don't think you want your commercial fisherman client on my podcast, <laughs> but I'm happy to interview oh, we them. Get, we get pitched like young dudes all the time. And I'm like, have you fucking listened? Like we yeah. don't. Like, anyway. but like imagine a roundup of like several episodes of just them being like, I'm here. Uh, and then like finding out the hard way what's being discussed oh my god and we're like our hot flashes oh my god actually (laughs) just accept them all (laughs) and then you just have to explain the concept of that and like uh to them over and over it would probably be actually this is this is torture all we all we'd have to say is vaginal atrophy and then we'd be out yeah i'm out uh for that reason i'm out and then they talk to their publicist I, I do get like a sincere amount of to 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 uh, for the th- only thread that I'm able to follow uh, for myself in this conversation. Back to Shark Tank, um, <laughs> I do get like an extreme amount of like I feel like excited for everyone on the screen, and I and I feel and I, I and I like when Robert Hershevik talks about how much he loves dogs, and <laughs> I uh, I just like how simple everything is. And it's just everything is about numbers and percentages. And uh, then when they shake hands, I like it when they shake hands. I can't remember if they're doing that. I don't think they do that anymore in the COVID era. Like there's no touching after the deal. But I really liked watching millionaire uh, Maverick, maybe billionaire Maverick Mark Cuban hug people. Because then you'd get to see like how big he was in comparison to other people. (laughs) Um, Is he small? I don't remember. I remember being like, impressed by his presence but i don't remember in what direction um i will have to rewatch some episodes <laughs> to get there but like there is really 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 it just it's like it's eating a certain kind of candy but um something that like also speaks to something i go back to in the in the podcast series is like my dad was an entrepreneur and like not a very good one and so there is also some kind of like deep seated childhood itch that I'm scratching while watching like some guy with like, you know, uh, a newfangled yo-yo get like $500,000 to like turn his hobby into a business. I'm like, that could have been Bob Mayer. Um, then he never would be on TV. Um, but maybe he will if someone buys my show. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
Um, oh God. Okay. Where do we go now, Kim? Sorry. <laughs> sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, Once again, no. I brought conversation to a standstill no, by bringing you, up Shark Tank. You, <laughs> okay. I have a question. I have a question. So, so Jen and I have this podcast mm-hmm. and sometimes we'll be like, Maybe a company should buy us. Maybe a company like, you know, I don't know. I'll just say Gimlet because we were talking about Alex Bloomberg, but not Gimlet given Mm -hmm. what happened last week. Mm -hmm. Or maybe an even bigger company like Spotify should. And then we always come back to know we've got to remain independent. You know, I especially think that after the, you know, I I read something about how two women who hosted a podcast were just disappeared and they replaced them with two new women. I have been in conversations at places where they've been, where people have been like, can we just like do that? And then been the person being like, you can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So not in this particular situation or at my last job or at the previous job, it's come up. Um, But yeah, it's, it's wild. But no, but the bottom line is, I think what you're asking, Kim, is you're asking for advice, which I keep saying we're not going to do this. (laughs) No, I'm saying like, what is, but I'm asking in a bigger way, I think. And so it's not just about us. Like what you said, you're, you're positive about the future of podcasts, but what, what makes you positive given what you know? So I'm personally positive because I finally made something that is not exclusively tied to like some dude that is slightly more senior than me. Um, So putting that to the side, I think that there's a reckoning happening where the networks and the various big studios aren't going to have the same sort of power as they've had before, in part because there's going to be less money um, Mm -hmm. because of global financial recession, et cetera, correction, whatever, Um, otherwise known as fear city, if you ask me. Um, And so, like, I think that uh, I feel like that there things have gotten the, the best way that I think I can describe it is sort of like there's got, gum has gotten in the gears so heavily of podcasting mm-hmm. in the last, like that it just like, it, it just stopped making sense like five years ago in these meetings that I've been in where it's like the numbers stopped making sense in terms of like, just people would just make things up and say, Oh, that will bring X amount of people into the podcast based on their totally unrelated um, not verified followers. Like I'm sure you've seen this all with digital media, et cetera, et cetera. Um, then there would be like so much of here's my friend who should do this show. And they put like so much more money behind that and no one would listen to it. Um, and yet everything would be considered a success at the end in the PowerPoint presentation, whereas no one was getting their bonuses who worked on any of this stuff. And so I think that like, there's been enough sort of, fundraising done, circular logic, uh, executives moving from one shop to another shop, kind of, and maybe me included, like flaming out and moving on to someplace else and doing, making the same mistakes over and over again, that I feel like there's going to be now, I think, less room for the bullshit to hide. Um, I know that swearing is a controversial topic. On your it's it's swearing is, is is swearing is so accepted on this podcast that we receive feedback on how much swearing we have. So yes. much, so many fewer fucks I'm supposed to give. But yes, yes, yes but- um, that I think I'm, I'm positive about it because it's I think it's going to some of the the, the layers of gr- grimy gum are going to have to go away, are, are by necessity are going to go away, which might mean in the short term and like this could be very bad for my personal income, like uh, a squeeze. 
Um, but it's just, I think it has to start making more sense and be tied to the market. And I think that ultimately that's a good thing because it will allow actual real stuff to be made again, as opposed to these sort of karaoke versions of stuff that has been popular in the past, kind of remade over and over and over again. So that's why I'm positive. It, it, it almost sounds like, you know, you can't really be a big thing until you're over being the next big thing. Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. That's really good. Kim. That's really well put. <laughs> Yay. I said something smart. No, I didn't. I, I didn't mean that. Kind of, that's like, <laughs> no, no. I didn't think you did, Laura. This is just me being me. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah, I agree. Yes, that is what I said. I said that. I said that. Um, <laughs> I said that. That would be a good way to like, good button. Um, no, I agree. I totally agree. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm curious what you actually do. Because there's so much out there, right? I mean, obviously, it's just like a glut, right? It's just a glut of everything. What are you enjoying right now? Like, what do you really love? Are you still li- are you able to still listen to podcasts? And if you are, what do you love? So I I'm I'm doing the whole I'm doing the game, pulling up the old podcatcher. Um, yes, I do listen to podcasts. I am I have tr- like the the sick thing about me mm-hmm. is I am. Like, I wish I cared less about podcasting and I wish my life were less entwined in the business. I wish my husband hadn't met me because he heard me on a podcast. Like, I kind of wish I had an off ramp from an, I wish I cared less because then I could just be like, great, I'm going to go become, I can't, I would, I always want to say dentist, but there's like all this stuff involved in becoming a dentist. (laughs) Um, But yes, I I will never stop listening to podcasts. But when I'm, um, in, in the past, when I've been like EPing or editing something in a certain format, it's hard for me to like, like it's, I haven't been listening to a lot of narrative stuff recently because I just um, will listen and be like, oh, I don't write so good um, or, you know, whatever. So I, I'm listening to a lot of chat, which to me is the, um, I don't consider like, chat worse than narrative like there is this kind of divide i think among producers where it's like oh chat shows are easy it's like no dude it they're not um and uh in a lot of ways they're a lot more complicated than narrative shows because you can control things with a script that said i've been listening to a lot of chat um and some of it i'm more proud of than others my um favorite show right now is normal gossip um which i'm sure you're aware of um, and I love that show. Wait, tell uh, people, tell people what it is. Cause I, I know what it is, but tell people. Sure. So normal gossip is a, it's basically a show about totally banal situations of, about strangers. Um, mm-hmm. so it's like gossip where it's like, Ooh, juicy, but like the, the stakes aren't very high. Right. Um, and, uh, to me, that's my favorite kind of gossip just in my personal life, because uh, like I heard like all this crap about someone I don't really know at the weightlifting gym today. And I was like, yeah, Um, (laughs) because I don't want to get involved. Um, And it's hosted by Kelsey McKinney. um, And another thing who uh, I believe is like the co-founder of Defector Media and um, the producer who I know, Alex Laughlin, um, shows up here and there. And she's very it's like the perfect juiciest show. And it's like everything like the feeling that I have when listening to it is like drinking a nice fresh orangina like it's sparkling <laughs> it's citrus i could go back for more it's a session orangina um but uh, i like remember that i have listened to that show um another thing that i've been listening to okay so this is this is slightly a problematic fave and i still don't know why like i listen to the show and i'm like 
this is like I Joe Rogan. <laughs> I, know, I was just thinking. Imagine I'm like I love him. Uh, I love the <laughs> audience, and uh, I don't. You know, everyone's beliefs are their beliefs. No, well, so this this is a show called How Long Gone. It has two people who I know. If they had like were aware of me, like I I have. It's hosted by this guy named Chris Black and his legitimate like their best friends, Jason Stewart, and um, they're like tastemakers. Uh, and uh, one of them used to be a DJ, and one of them uh, is now a sober weightlifter, which I find very interesting. But like they they like say weird stuff about like they they like call each other bitch, and I'm just sort of like that's weird. Um, but like also uh, I like that I can feel how much they love each other despite the mm-hmm. fact that they're calling each other bitch, um, which I know is like <laughs> problematic on all many levels. But I listen to that show when I'm, when I'm, when I'm doing my sets, when I'm doing my squats. So wait, are you, so wait, are you a big weightlifter? I, I'm a small weightlifter. <laughs> um, I am a very, so for the last five years, I've been um, really in a dedicated way trying to learn Olympic weightlifting. Um, so like the clean and jerk, snatch, all of that sort of stuff. Um, but, and it, to me, it's like, I, initially the joke was, I'm going to figure out a way to get jacked. And then I like got into it having never exercised, not able to like walk up a flight of stairs quickly without it being like an issue, like in a way where it was like, Oh fuck, I just walked up that flight of stairs. Um, but then I got like really into this idea of getting of, of the precision of those sorts of lifts. Cause like what you're doing, it's like, kind of like figure skating where it's like, with the snatches where you pull uh, basically a barbell from the floor and then you get it up to a certain height and then you get underneath it. It's like everything wow. needs to happen in these like really short, like less than second sort of thing. So um, I have been trying like on a dedicated basis, three to five days a week, every week, with the exception of when I was benched during pregnancy hellscape, have been working on that. Um so, but then wow. I, I will listen to podcasts when I'm doing my like bodybuilding strength stuff, like squats, like basis of strength stuff, which I find boring um, compared to being like really bad at the Olympic lifts, but like very devoted to getting good at them. Do you feel um, better? Do you feel better in your body since doing it? I mean, because a lot of times you're like, oh, this health thing, transform. And then you're like, I, I do it, but I don't feel that much better. I'm just- oh, yeah. I know, Weights are the one thing that they tell every woman over 40, you must be doing weights. Oh, totally. Because it keeps you from like, I don't know, everything falling, yeah. your parts falling off. I don't fucking know. But yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Keeps your leg from falling off for no reason. Totally, totally. Um, no, I do like, I was talking to my husband about this. Um, because, uh, there's of course, like when, when the, when I was briefly a record executive, um, which is like technically what I was coded in, uh, in my last job, which like side note, when I was having a kid, I didn't realize like the amount of times in the hospital, they'd ask like, what's your occupation? I'd be like, what the fuck does it matter? Like, <laughs> and, like literally like they were giving me the epidural and I said a record executive and they looked at my husband like, is she good? Um, but <laughs> when, when that particular money train came in, um, aside from like saving every penny possible, I was like, I found like a reasonably priced uh, Olympic lifting trainer because I like didn't want to uh, like accidentally die on my roof lifting my barbell. Right. Um, and so um, anyway, I'm getting into this too much, but I'm, I'm, I'm very I love devoted it. to it. Um, and if you ever want your Instagram explore page to be absolutely ruined, just like looked up 
look up any of the Olympic lifting videos, you may become entranced and then you, they will follow you forever. Um, <laughs> oh, amazing. Okay. Wait. Okay. So, so you do feel better. You feel better. Oh, I'm sorry. No, we're good. Yes. We're, yes. we're there. Well, I was talking, the reason why, so I was talking to my husband about this because he was like, you know, there's ways you can cut back money wise. And I was like, I could get rid of the trainer, but uh, I don't think you want to see what I'll look like. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want, I know it's more like, not that I look like, I don't think you want to see what it's like to live with me now without that. It right. has fundamentally rewired the specifically, I think some kind of anxiety path, yeah. which certainly other ones still exist, but there's like, when they talk about like grounding exercises, yeah. or like paying attention to your body, which was like something that, you know, coming from an Irish Catholic family in the Midwest, I was like, I don't have a body, like immortal until proven dead. We're not talking about any of this stuff, right. um, which led to some problems. Like, I do think that the, the, the lifting especially with the, the, I just like jerked wildly, but especially with like the quick movements underneath the bar and like how kind of scary it can be, but how like sat gratifying it is. Mm -hmm. And just to do something that like looks really simple requires like seven different things to happen at once. It's like the clearest, I, it has really helped me think more clearly and feel more, I guess, clear. Yeah. Um, the days. That's huge. That, yeah. And so Again, I'm not like I'm not lifting heavy weights from a percentage perspective, you know, from my body weight. <laughs> we I'm don't not, judge. Not, we don't know I'm anything. Not, <laughs> my goal is to um, stick to it long enough that I can eventually win a competition after everyone else has injured themselves. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, it's it's been like aside from it's like been like maybe aside from having my kid, like the most transformative thing that I've ever done. Wow. Um, how I want to get back to podcast, but I do want to ask Sorry. you because we no because no I'm it's me I'm going I'm I have ADHD so does Kim um I uh I, and I didn't take my meds this morning um <laughs> I <laughs> I wanted to ask you because you're bringing up the kid how do you think being a mother becoming a mother changed your relationship to your career your relationship to ambition hmm. what do you think well so I had this feeling before I had my kid that I, that there was a potential that I would emerge totally different. And I was like, hell yeah, I can't wait to have these totally different sets of problems. Obviously that didn't happen because that's not the way it works. Um, so, and especially with like, you know, the, the real like high uh, fatality stakes potentially for myself, which is a very weird way of putting, getting very, very sick um, after having a kid, like, you know, a near death experience does I hate to say it, like it does work yeah. uh, in terms of changing your perspective. But anyway, I had this idea that maybe I'll come out like less interested or less like not interested, but less like hell bent on work. That did not happen. I became even heller benter on work yep. um, because I think it's important. And, 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 and even more so, and this is like, sounds sort of like woo woo or whatever, but like, hopefully working in a way that feels more authentic to me as opposed to working underneath in a lot of cases like people who have have claimed that they have more expertise than me and trying to like please the person above me for whatever reason like it gave me the kind of confidence to sort of stand on my own maybe if i'm only now realizing that um after i've created this podcast that may have burned it all down yeah um and it's important to me meaning the previous iteration of, of what I'd been doing with my career. And it is like, 
the thing with from my you know I, I'm 16 months in um, so it hasn't been that long I'm never going to be someone who doesn't work like uh, I remember at my grandmother's funeral when I was a kid she was kind of the same way and 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 I thought and this was the first funeral I had been to and they had her like um, day planner out like which is like kind of like a thinking back on it like a kind of a weird violation but at the time I was just like oh cool so when you die um, they just show what your calendar looked like in coming days so that people would like understand why you didn't show up. Like there's a lot of questions involved, but, um, which I've, I've since realized this is not something that people generally do at funerals or wakes, but there was a big point where she had this paper planner day to day. Like I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And it was like, she worked until the day she died and, um, she was happy in it. She found, and she was like, you know, uh, like she was very involved in her community. Like she was very like, uh, she was doing fulfilling work and she was like also like a true blue battle axe. And I mean that in the best way possible. And I think that the thing that changed with me and work when I became a mother is I sort of gave in to being the true blue battle axe that I actually am. Um, and I think had been sort of trying to make smaller in order to be palatable in this specific industry. Um, and so for better or for worse, um, Joanna will end up with a mother who is a true blue battle axe uh, 24-7 as opposed to whatever the times I wasn't working were. Um, and hopefully that will be something that inspires her and, and yields me to being a better mother than I would have been if I had spent the time that I wasn't working like angry about the times that I had minimized myself in order to make more money for no reason. Um, I don't know. Wow, such a good answer. That's an incredible answer. What do you? What do you go, ahead, Kim? What do you? We're going to ask the yes, same question. Yes, but you go. You ask, you ask it. What do you? What do you still want to do? I want to. Well, so I still want to make podcasts. Um, I want to. I really want to write a book, um, and I want to do speaking around this sort of specific idea of uh, shamelessness, which is like. Like, of course, like, I feel like I'm like the play, I'm like bringing the media playbook from like 10 years ago and being like, I've discovered it. Um, but like, I, I really enjoy um, that kind of thing with the podcasts that I want to make. I don't necessarily want or need to be the host of them, but it's really important to me to figure out a way to create more stuff where you have someone at the center of it, whether it be the host or the subject who you're like really rooting for mm -hmm. and they're trying to accomplish something specific. And I know that like, there's a lot of shows that have done that. Like finding Richard Simmons was, is a good example of that from, you know, Dan Tversky did a while ago now where he was like trying to find Richard Simmons and I, and, and like this kind of journey of someone mm -hmm. trying to get to the bottom of something. And the way that I described it, to someone the other day is, you know, it can be lighthearted stuff. It could be not lighthearted stuff, but the spirit has to be like, if Harriet the spy was going to get to the bottom of compound pharmacies in the United States, but you'd be like excited to listen to this podcast because you knew it was going to be fun. Like mm -hmm. I'd love to figure out a way to marry those two things, yeah. um, meaning stuff that's actually important and the sort of like uh, juicy deliciousness. Yeah. 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 Like have some fun. Um, yeah. and I think that like that kind of rascal energy is something that certainly like drives the media that I listen to, like those how long gone guys, like for all their faults, they're rascals. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and you know, and other things that I consume in life. And like, I, I just, I want to, I want to try and create more of that authentically 
in honestly the only space that I really understand, I think, which is audio and podcasting. Well, you'll see, you'll see, because also who knows? I mean, this, the the thing is about being a battle ax, you, you don't know yet (laughs) that you can aim it in all different ways (laughs) from, from one to another. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you that right now. Um, okay. So where can people find you? Cause I want them to find you and the show. Well, people can find me and I'm pointing them to my Twitter because I'm still trying to get verified. I was not notable enough last month. <laughs> Twitter.com slash L-R-M-A-Y-E-R, L-R Mayer. And you can listen to my podcast, Shameless Acquisition Target, wherever you get your podcast. But specifically, all of like the various links are on my website, shameless.biz, which will not give your computer viruses. Um, <laughs> it, it, it might look like it will. It won't. Thank you so much. This has been a, a fun ride. <laughs> Thank you for having me and for bearing with my la da da of today. No, we like that. That's all we're about is la da da. I'm so glad that I got to meet you. This was so Likewise. great. This is so great. Likewise. Really great. Thanks for listening to Everything is Fine. We're your hosts. I'm Jen Romolini. And I'm Kim France. If you like the show, please rate and review it on all the platforms, particularly Apple Podcasts. It really um, helps the show reach more people. We sometimes read five-star reviews on the show. If you want to support the production of the show, you can join our Patreon. It's at patreon.com backslash everything is fine. We do live events there. We blog there sometimes. We put out special bonus episodes there as well. If you want to follow us on social media, we are on Instagram at EIF Podcast. We have a robust Facebook group which is just under the name of our podcast. We are weirdly on LinkedIn. We have a Twitter. You can find Kim on her blog, girlsofacertainage.com. You can find me at tinyletter.com backslash Jennifer Romolini. And the show is mixed and edited by the wonderful Natalie Rivera. Thank you so much, Natalie. And we'll be back next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.